lot coming up here at uh, East Point. Hope you're a part of it. And I just got to say gobble gobble, everyone. I think some of you know what that means. Some of you have seen that video of me in that turkey costume, all right, promoting our Thanksgiving meals that we want to give out to the community. And we've really had an overwhelming response to that. I really appreciate everyone that's brought in food items. It's not too late either. Uh, but we had a lot of fun uh, making that video. I, my dad saw that video, and I don't think he's ever been any more proud of me than watching that dumb video, all right? I couldn't believe it. He called up. He's so excited. He wants to show it to his church this morning, in fact, and it has nothing to do with what they're doing at church, but he just wants to show this video. This is my son in a turkey costume, all right? Wow, all right. I even had one of our crossover basketball players come up to me and say, hey, we're going to name one of our plays Gobble Gobble. Um, I don't know how that, will, that play will go. It uh, could get a little crazy out there. But thank you for your response already. And again, it's not too late. The 180 Youth Group is going to be packing those meals tonight and giving them out uh, this week uh, to people that uh, could use some groceries this Thanksgiving. And I just couldn't imagine a better Thanksgiving of being able to be in prayer for that Thanksgiving meal. And just being able to, I'm, I'm, I'm crying already. That's not, good, not a good sign here. Just being able to thank God for how he's provided this year. And you can have a little part in that. You can have a whole part in that. We've already got more turkeys than our freezers can hold. We're going to take those home this afternoon and, and freeze those in our, fr our freezer. But, uh, but, but get to be a part of that. Um, and, uh, and then um, you know, what a blessing that will be. I've uh, entitled the message today, It Works, But It Isn't What God Asked. It works, but it isn't what God asked. In these past few weeks in our, our group, grow group, We've been reading and discussing this book, Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. And it's a great book. If you have not read this book, go out and get it and read it. Uh, it will challenge you to the core. It really will. I think that signing up sometimes for grow groups, we, we're, we're hoping for that opportunity to get to meet some new people, connect with some other believers, make some new friends, be encouraged in our faith. And, and I'll say that, that the grow groups that I've been a part of through the years um, that we've been a part of have been just a huge blessing in our life. Some of our closest friends in ministry have been because we've spent time with them in, in the Word and growing together and doing life together. Grow groups are a great thing. Get involved. You have another opportunity coming up in December. But this study that we've been doing has been a little bit different. I know that there's always these aha moments. God's Word is always challenging. It's always convicting. But this book and this study has been different. And I would say that God is challenging this small group of believers that were simply looking to be encouraged, looking to grow in their faith, looking to make some new friends or connect with some other people. It's really taken us to another level, to relook at the bigger picture. We've asked questions like this. I claim to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. Am I living up to all that God has called me to be? Am I really all in? When Christ called us to carry our cross daily, what does that look like in today's culture? I don't feel persecution like the Bible promises that we're going to experience. Am I doing something wrong? What does God expect of his church? Am I being the church that God 
has commanded. Pretty heavy questions. Pretty heavy questions. Francis Chan, in his book, Letters to the Church, writes some pretty eye-opening and heart-convicting words that I hope that will help us take a second look at what the church should be. And as a restoration church, a church that's committed to restoring that New Testament church, these, these words should matter to us. Chan writes, at the core of our faith lies this belief that the Almighty God humbled himself to serve us and die for us. And at the root of our calling is a command to imitate him by serving one another. After washing the disciples' feet, Jesus commanded them to wash one another's feet. Kelly just shared that in our communion time. And serving is definitely at a premium when it comes to our calling in Christ Jesus. Don't call yourself a Christian if you don't serve. Yet at any given Sunday, Chan goes on to write, yet at any given Sunday, what percentage of Christians show up eager to serve? Just coming in with a servant heart, willing to serve anyone. How can I, how can I bless someone today? How can I help someone today? How can I serve them today? I know that God's blessings follow those words. How can I help? How can I serve? What can I do for you today, God? Seeing people as Jesus sees them. Reaching out to our neighbor. Even if they don't look like us. Even if they don't think like us. Even if they don't have the same morals, the same values. How can I help? How can I serve? Matthew 20, 26 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Chan goes on to write this. It's no secret that most people who attend church services come as consumers rather than servants. And we see the foolishness in this. But it feels as if we have resigned ourselves to it. We have learned to accept it as though there's nothing we can do about it. People put money in the offering basket, which pays for the staff salary, so the staff should do their jobs and minister to the people. It sounds like a fair and efficient system, and it works pretty well in some places. It's not what God wanted, but it works. And of course, Chan makes some generalizations here, but there is definitely truth here, and I don't know about you, but those words, it works but it's not what God asked. Should cause us to cringe. Should cause us heartache. And I hope that right now, you're asking, am I coming up short? Am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution? Am I doing what God has commanded of me? Another point that Chan makes is that stands out in the statement is that we are to be imitators of Christ, and Christ came as a servant. He came to serve and not to, he came to serve and not to be served. And it's no secret that most who attend services come as consumers and not servants. We get into that mode of how am I being fed? Was the worship good? Were the people nice? How was the coffee and the refreshments? Was there convenient parking? Did, did, did my kids enjoy it? Was the preaching good? Did I get something out of it? Don't answer that. I'm not done yet. It'll get better, I hope. But it's so easy to get into that consumer mentality. 
when gathering as a church? How's the church fitting my needs, my wants, my desires? What is this church going to do for me? Where, is the, where can I get the best church experience, the most bang for my buck? And churches understand this and have almost made church into a product. Come to our church because we offer this and we offer that. And it really becomes less about reflecting scripture and more about doing church better than the other church down the road. Reminds me of the two hikers that are out hiking and they see this bear and they get frightened all of a sudden. But one, one hiker stops and he starts putting on his running shoes and the other hiker looks at him and says, hey, you idiot, you can't outrun that bear. He said, I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. And we get caught up into that mentality. Are we doing church better than others? And when I say better, I don't even necessarily mean closer to God's commands of what the church should be. What are some of the commands that God has on the church? To love one another, to love and visit the widows and the orphans, to bear one another's burdens, to make disciples of all nations, and I get it. Most of, us, most of what we experience on Sunday morning is a result of the church asking this question, what will work? What will get more people to attend so that we can give them the opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ? It's a valid question. It's a worthy question. It's not bad at all. And I don't believe that anything we do here inherently is wrong. I love our worship. I love our worship team, even the lights, even the haze machine. But if it doesn't bring us closer to the throne of God, then Scott and his worship team are just wasting their time and definitely wasting a lot of talent. Same with all of our ministries, from seniors to children, from missions to hospitality. If it's not bringing people closer to Jesus Christ, we're wasting our time. We've got some special people here. This is a special church. East Point is a great place to be. We have been blessed here. But in a lot of ways, we've made it easy for people to be comfortable. And we can't be the church and be comfortable. If you're comfortable, you're not growing. Two weeks ago, Rick... Rick Cooper talked about being a disciple. Are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower? He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. There's nothing comfortable about that. And last week was another challenging message from Chris Lightfoot who talked about that rich young ruler, that rich young ruler that had it all, including even a moral life. He was a good person. And he asked Jesus, hey, what do I need to do to get salvation? And Jesus said, hey, go sell all you have and give it to the poor and then follow me. And that rich young ruler walked away a sad man because his possessions and what he had was, was more important to him than Jesus. And Jesus didn't want his possessions. Jesus didn't want his money. Jesus wanted his heart. And there's nothing comfortable about that. Does he have your heart? Are you all in? Philippians 2 sets the standard. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any 
comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Not look at your own interests, but look at the interests of others before your own. In your relationship with one another, having the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's so many challenging scriptures in those verses. Paul is definitely calling for unity in this passage. God's kingdom doesn't work without unity us being one. And it's also calling for love and humility and selflessness. And this world doesn't put a premium on those qualities. But for God's kingdom, that's the fertilizer. Love and humility and selflessness. He says to have the same mindset of Christ Jesus who humbled himself becoming a servant. In Matthew 20, that servanthood is equ equated to greatness. We'll never do anything great in God's eyes if we don't learn to serve, to put others before ourselves. And what did becoming a servant cost Christ? It cost him everything. But in the same breath, we gained everything. There is nothing easy or comfortable about that. In fact, there should be some reluctance deciding on that dotted line. It is very biblical to have reluctance to God's calling. Moses was reluctant to go tell Pharaoh to let his people go. Jonah was reluctant to go to Nineveh. And Jesus was even reluctant to go to the cross. Lord, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But not my will be done, but thy will be done. What God is calling you to do shouldn't be easy. You shouldn't be able to do it on your own. And I know that one of the greatest gifts that we can give our children is this sense that they have what it takes to get the job done. You can do it. You're strong enough. You're smart enough. You're good enough. I know that you can do it. That's a great thing to invest in a child, that they can get the job done that you can get the job done, but God's calling on your life. Don't even try. Don't even try to do that alone. If you can do it alone, then there's something wrong. For many of you, God has blessed you with a family, someone that calls you mom or dad. Don't try to do that alone. You need Jesus. You need the church. I'm not talking about single two-parent families, maybe grandma or grandpa. There is no broken home where Christ is the head. 
You need Christ. You need the church. Someone calls you mom or dad. Grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle. For many of you who have entered into marriage, you can't do it well on your own. You can't love and cherish your wife like you should without Jesus. You can't love and respect your man like you should without Jesus, without the church. And I know my wife will agree with that. Maybe agree too much with that. When we don't rely, whenever we don't put Christ as the head of our home, or head of our relationship, we have issues. He said early on, my wife brings me joy. She does. But if I rely only on her for my joy, she's going to fail. And I'm definitely going to fail her. We need Jesus. Our workplace is the same way. We're to be the salt and light of this world. We need Jesus going into our workplace. And our calling in the church, well, here's what I know. If we're waiting for something comfortable to do for God in the church, it isn't from God. It's probably from you just hoping to check a box. Your calling should be uncomfortable. Your calling shouldn't be able to be done on your own, at least well. And your ability to say yes to your calling going calling is going to come down to this question. Are you living in the flesh or are you living in the spirit? For at times the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And in Romans 8, it says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Your flesh isn't capable of fulfilling your calling. Your flesh isn't even able to say yes the calling God has in your life. Your flesh is going to make all kinds of excuses. I'm too busy. That's not my passion. I'm not good enough. That would never work. I am too this or I'm too that. But it isn't about you. This life isn't about you. It's about God's kingdom. And what he has for you to do on this earth. And it's not about your ability but God can use your availability more. You see, there is no one in their right mind that would do what God is asking us to do. This message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing. And last week, it says to go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. He wants our hearts. This week, the week before, deny yourselves, take up your cross daily and follow me. He doesn't want us just to be a fan of him, but a follower of him. In fact, according to Ephesians 4, we are to be prisoners of the Lord. I mean, who in their right mind is going to sign up for that? Only those who know Jesus Christ. Only those who know his love and know him personally. Because Paul was a follower of Jesus and loved Jesus, this is what Paul called the church in Ephesus. He says in, in chapter 4, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. 
be patient, bearing with one another in love. There are those kingdom-building qualities again. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And there's that your unity again. Kingdom work gets derailed without unity. And yes, there's always going to be differences in the church, but where it can get in the way is whenever we keep our focuses on our differences and lose sight of what unites us. One body, one spirit, one hope, one faith, one baptism, and one God who loved us enough to send his one and only son Jesus Christ for our sins. And when there is oneness and the body is working in harmony, there will be healthy growth. Whenever we skip down to verse 11, it says this. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You see, our oneness in Christ does not destroy our individuality, but exact opposite. The Holy Spirit has given every one of us who has called on the name of Jesus Christ as Lord a special gift to build up the church. You have a special gift to build up the church. In verse 13, it says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Christ has given us his bride. And there's enormous responsibility that he's given to us to go and make disciples of all nations. It's called the Great Commission. And this mission in itself was not meant to be fulfilled by one, but as one. Co-mission communicates together, everyone doing their part. And this can't happen if we walk in the flesh. This can't happen if we are divided. You see, when we allow the Spirit to lead, in verse 14, it goes on to say, it says, when we allow the Spirit to lead, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We all have a part. You have a part, I have a part, and the body doesn't function right if we aren't doing our part. Unless you're the appendix. And I surely, I know that I don't want to be the appendix in the body of Christ. People will be upset in the church whenever they've been gone for a few weeks and, and no one notices. And yes, I feel bad whenever I don't notice. I know that we need to be caring for our sheep, 
but shouldn't we take a little bit of the responsibility in this as if we're gone for weeks and no one notices? I knew it this week whenever my eyelid developed a sty and then it got infected, all right? And everyone else noticed it as well because I looked ridiculous, especially about halfway through the week. They're like, what's wrong with you? Did you get into a fight? And I, I said, no, I'd look a lot worse if I got into a fight. But my body took notice. And it started sending all these antibodies and white blood cells, and it just started popping up. It was trying to heal my eyelid. And I've never actually prayed, God, thank you for working eyelids. I've never prayed that prayer. But this week, I prayed that prayer, God, just heal my eyelid. I'd love for it to work again right. Here's the thing. We're called to resemble Christ, and especially when we gather together. When you come, do you look to serve or to be served? For many, that's an uncomfortable question. Many of you right now are justifying the many reasons why you can't get involved. I'm too busy. Afraid you're going, I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. I don't have anything to offer. I've tried that, and it didn't go, it didn't go over so well. And they're all valid, valid reasons. They all make sense. But I don't think that they're going to hold up before God someday. Some of you might be saying, Right now, I just need to come and, and rest. I just need to come and, and just be fed. Is, is that okay? And I want you to know that we'll always, always be a church that will feed anyone at any time. I hope. I pray. I pray that we'll always be a place where people can come and find rest. I mean, what does a healthy church look like? Is a healthy church just made up of fully devoted followers of, of Jesus Christ, fully devoted disciples? I, I hope not. I think that would be the least healthy church that there is. If there ever is a church that had a sign, Christians only, I hope they would just burn to the ground. I would supply the matches. I don't think the authorities might, would like that too much, but I don't think God would mind. There should be a certain amount of seekers. What is this Christianity thing all about? Who is this Jesus? Why are these people so different? There should be a certain amount of new Christians and growing Christians. And yes, there definitely should be a certain amount of fully devoted followers as well. The church should have people of all different places in their walk with Christ. But none of us should be okay with just a little bit of Jesus. Francis Chan writes, what would happen to our society if parents didn't expect their children to start their own families? This is exactly what is happening in the church. Many times we have such low expectations of people who are supposedly filled with the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say, many pastors boast of how many children sit under their care. Doesn't it make more sense to boast how many have graduated their care? Isn't it more a sign of failure when children are unable to leave the house? Raising thousands of consumers is not a success. And this definitely falls on the church. Why can't we demand people's best? Watch that college football program with Urban Meyer a few weeks ago. Talked about Ohio State football, and he, he said, we take pride in running the toughest, the most demanding football program in the nation. How do we get kids to do the, the really unthinkable? We expect the best 
out of them. And I ask, why can't the church demand that same kind of effort? Same kind of sacrifice. Isn't our mission much greater than Ohio State football? Of course the answer is yes. We shouldn't just want a little bit of Jesus. We shouldn't be satisfied with just a little bit of Jesus. I mean, I I guess it can work. But it's not what God asked. God has called us to love him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. He's called us to be prisoners of the Lord, to be a living sacrifice, to be part of the body, to be salt and light to this world, to go and make disciples of all nations, to be faithful even to the point of, point of death, to be like his son who came to, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Today, we, we've saved offering time for the end. Because we really want to give you an opportunity to respond to God's calling today. To respond to the Spirit's leading. And I pray that everyone right now is prayerfully considering how they can better serve the body. And I don't think anyone here wants to be that appendix of the church, do they? Today we want to give you an opportunity to respond to that Spirit's prompting. And I really mean everyone. If you're already serving and giving, I want you to confirm your commitment. If you have never served God in this place, this is an opportunity for you to say, hey, let's get the ball rolling. On your seats, there should have been a card that just says, we is greater than me. And on the back of that card is an opportunity to put your, uh, put your information. Now, there's not much information. I want you to know that you're not committing to anything today, but what you are saying is, hey, I'm willing to have that conversation of how I can fit better into the body of Christ. I want to take that next step of faith. I don't want to be the appendix. I love Jesus and I know that he created me to do good works, which he has prepared for me in advance to do. He doesn't want me to just be a listener, but a doer of the word. Yesterday, well, Audra was gone most of the week, and so the house was a wreck on Saturday, and we knew she was coming home that night, and it was cleaning day for us. And I gave the command to the kids, clean your rooms. We gotta get this house spotless. We gotta get this house spotless, or mom is not going to be happy coming home. And I could just imagine the kids coming back a couple hours later, and their rooms are still not clean, and then saying, Dad, we didn't get our rooms clean, but we did memorize everything that you said. All right, but you didn't do what I told you to. Yeah, but, but, but Dad, we, we even brought some friends over and we discussed what it would look like if we actually cleaned our room. Okay, all right. And Dad, we even memorized your words in Hebrew and Greek. All right but your rooms are still not clean. Mom is still going to be really upset whenever we, she gets home. It's not okay just to know the word. James 1.22, it says, do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. How are we responding to God's word? Today, I really want to challenge you to be 
obedient to scripture. And it might make no sense in your life and where you're at to fill out that card and put it in that bucket. In your head, you might be given every excuse in the book. I'm too busy. I can't put one more thing on my plate. I already serve. There has to be someone else more qualified. I've already tried that, and it didn't work out. There's a million excuses that you could just ignore this opportunity. might make no sense at all, but I want you to know that I don't think it makes much sense to God. Whenever people can come in this church, and there's no one at the door, Say, welcome. We're glad you're here. We hope you have a great morning. We hope you're fed. We hope you feel loved. You're wanted here. This is home. It makes no sense to God that families can come and drop off their children and there not be adequate help in the children's ministry. They say that most people make a decision for Jesus Christ before the age of 13, and if you want to go to the battle line. <laughs> for God's kingdom, get involved in that children's ministry. We're fighting for those kids' hearts every week. They not only need to hear about Jesus, but they need to feel his love and acceptance. And just as you overwhelmed us with the response for the Thanksgiving meals, we hope that we're overwhelmed with the response of, hey, how can I help? How can I serve? Put me down. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to go to battle. I'm ready to step out in faith. And I want you to know that God's got this. He says that God loves a cheerful giver. And he's going to see you through every step of that calling that he has on your life. And I pray that today, not only do we give of our treasure, but we say, Hey, I want to give them my time and my talents as well. Because in the end, I want to hear those words from my Lord. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. God, I thank you. I thank you for how you've blessed In so many ways, bless us with a family here that loves you. And I pray that you stir their hearts this morning to take that step of faith that you've been wanting them to take for a long time. That they're able to take that step and then grow in their faith, become more like you and your son, Jesus Christ. A lot of times we've settled for a watered-down version of what your word says. And we've received a watered-down version of your blessing. 
God, as we get in your word and we know that you have a calling on our life, I pray that we're able to allow the Spirit to lead. And we're able to be a part of what you're doing. We're able to make disciples of, of all nations. We're able to bear in each other's burdens. We're able to love one another. We're able to feed and visit the widows and orphans. We're just be able to be the church that you've called us to be. And we don't want just a little bit of you. We want all of you, Lord. Because we want all of your blessing as well. Lord, it doesn't make sense. Unless we know you. If we know you, it'll be easy to say yes. Yes to you. Yes to your calling. Yes to your son, Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we possess through him and what that means for our lives now and forever. Just pray, pray that you bless these offerings and these gifts. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.